It's Ben Smith from Wireless Worker here, and I'm rejoined by Mr. Ewan McLeod from Mobile Insta Review. Rock on. And, uh, That's it, right, sorry. Re, read on. Uh, it's the end of London Book Fair, and we uh, this is and the end of our little mini-series as well. And we have, you know, uh, sat down in the coffee area to recap what we've seen. Now, I don't really want to revisit the interviews we've done, because we've, we've spoken to a whole bunch of people who are involved in putting the show on and... Uh, you know, launching platforms. We've got Nokia, Kobo, Amazon. We've all spoken to uh, guys there. But I just wanted to sort of talk about something that we briefly touched on, but I don't think we investigated enough, which was the the crossover between apps and digital publishing. Because over in the corner, just behind us, there's a whole set of tables of app developers who are here talking to publishers and content and, and authors. And I struck me that in a few years' time, we're not going to really be bothered with the difference between an app and an ebook. Well, I think that's a fair point. My, the, the challenge I've got is discovery, right? Because if you're submitting your ebook, as in your ebook, your Word document, let's call it, to Amazon, then I would imagine you've got a lot more chance of people discovering that than an application that contains your ebook on an app store. Today you have, because they're different catalogues, haven't you? But both Apple and Amazon have catalogues of apps and books. They, they, they keep them separate at the moment, but they both sell both. It strikes me that sooner or later, you will find it just as easy to go to the book category of an app store as you will to go to uh, an e-book store and, you know, and where you only find books. That's a very interesting point. If you think about how I use my iPhone, I... I I buy my ebooks via Amazon and I can't buy them on the Amazon Kindle app because of the crazy restrictions. And that's annoying. And then I, I buy my TV content from iTunes. And then if I wanted to buy a book, I have to get the bookstore, the iBooks. Yeah, it's quite a mess at the minute. You see, because the, the thing that strikes me is that the publishing platforms that we've seen so far, like Amazon, take for example the one that we're both familiar with and we've both bought content from what what do they give authors at the moment and publishers they give discovery they give a really elegant app and way to way to read and a payment mechanism and that is really about it Um, there's nothing they don't do any sort of value add and if you consider that the payment mechanism is already available through buying apps the discovery piece is already available through buying apps. You're left with a convenient, attractive way to view text content. And it wouldn't be hard for an app developer to recreate that attractive reading experience. But rather than creating that because you put your book in an app store, you could just give your text content to the app developer and they could wrap it all up in a single app. No. I see. I don't really like that. I, I, I wonder if is that me being traditional in that I, I like the fact that on my Kindle I've got lot on my Kindle app I've got lots of different books and they're all in the same format. I, my concern there is if I have to buy an app for every book, I just I see what you're saying about this kind of transmedia perspective. But I, you know, I, I, I like actually buy. I like the fact Amazon are doing quite a good job of. Well, I feel they're doing a good job of. Uh, delivering an e-reader and the same with Kobo 
But when I, when I walk into a bricks and mortar bookshop, you know, Waterstones in the UK, um, one of the, and I want to buy a book, one of the things that helps me decide which book to buy is the way the book looks, the way it's designed, and how, uh, how usable it is. Now, I mean, obviously, in, a, in terms of a paper book, that is different usability to an app, but it might be the, you know, the quality of the pages, it might be the richness of the illustrations, it might be a, it might be a sticker on the front that says, you know, somebody has recommended this book for its content or its yeah. quality. But, you know, there are a whole bunch of sort of physical attributes that I look for on the book. And at the moment, if I go and buy, if I was the author and I was putting that book into the Amazon Kindle store, let's say, all of those differentiating factors, all of the niceties of the presentation, the control over font, layout, structure, the user experience of reading the book, it completely vanishes. It, I, it, my book looks the same as the terrible book, you know, next, that would be next to it on the shelf. And by the way, mine costs loads because I've invested in it. And that terrible one next door that looks just as pretty is, is, is 10 times cheaper because somebody's just thrown together some very low rent content. All that differentiation goes away. It's, I don't know if that's a problem, though. Right? Because the differentiation is the product, isn't it? The, you know, the, the text. And actually, I quite like the fact that. The books I tend to read have been edited, right? I don't like reading too much sloppy nonsense, although I tend to write quite a lot of that. Uh, but, you know, when I'm, when I'm reading a, a professional book that I've paid money for, I do expect a level of, you know, I saw a service level, that I don't think it matters that the author hasn't influenced how the, how the uh, interest the, uh, influenced the presentation. And all the factors you're discussing, that's what a, a publisher does to sell the book. But, but I, it, I, I, was, I was initially sort of citing sort of the, the self-publisher, but let's say, let's say um, a publisher, or a big name publisher. So if we take Faber and Faber, for example, they employ editors who make the copy the best copy it can be. And that's one job that they do. And I, that would still need to exist. But they also employ designers, people to select the materials, the, they have relationships with printers. And so the publisher is influences the content but it's only part of their job the rest of their job is about producing a really appealing book and and selecting the pricing an experience an experience and so my argument is that by hyping all of your content through this homogenous hype where you strip away all of that experience it might be great for the consumer now because right now you've got an easy way to discover books and people are happy with that but in a few years time people are going to expect to be able to completely control the way that content is presented to people on a mobile device because it won't be hard anymore, it will be taken for granted. And so my argument is that a publisher, even a big publisher, would go to an app developer and say, you see the way that my words used to look in that, that ebook store there? Make it as pretty, please. But additionally, can you include all these preview summary chapters of my other books that I want to sell? And could you stick in this extra comment? And by the way, we've just, um, we've just realized that we have um, you know, a, 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 another copy of a, a related book that we were going to stick on promo, buy one, get one free in the shop. So could you just bundle that in as well? And all of a sudden, the, the, your imagination is only limited by what the developer can build rather than what some publishing platform can do. Okay, I'm, I am with you now, Ben, right? I, I, was, I was struggling earlier, but I do get it now. You, you, um, so I'm a big follower of, ter- of Terry Pratchett's uh, Discworld novels. So in your model, you'd be saying, actually, I could go and download or, or get hold of the Terry Pratchett app 
and inside that they completely control that environment um, and I could have all the books or some of the books or whatever uh, but not just books and not just in a traditional form I see what you mean that because what what strikes me is that right now all of the things that all of the things that ebook publishers are doing are about convenience and about trying to get orders of magnitude and scale sorry uh, economies of scale by publishing loads and loads of books um, you can get a really nice reading experience a nice secure distribution process a nice elegant payment process because only by having Amazon do that for all the publishers can it can it be affordable and accessible but as the app ecosystem grows, those things will become commodities. They will no longer become technical hurdles. One point that strikes me there is you're going to start to have to ask more of the authors. And I wonder if that is possible nowadays in, in, in our traditional understanding of what an author is and what an author does. Because a lot of people at this conference uh, and this exhibition, they've been commenting that you know authors don't want to do the marketing. They don't want to do the touchy-feely, hello, please buy my book. They just want to write. And what they mean is write long-form content. Uh, uh, what you, we're going to have to see a, a new generation of of experiential creators, you know, um, not just people that write long-form copy. You see, but I'm when I talk about the freedom and the flexibility, I I don't envisage that actually these apps wouldn't include apps that were just press the button, open the book read the ebook exactly as it is and that, that that would be all the content the developer the the sorry the author had put in and actually it would be a very traditional book experience it's the publishers that will want to wrap it with extra content it's the publishers that will want to bundle in um, either extra value or uh, you know promotional materials or the opportunity to cross sell and those sorts of things not necessarily the author so there's a lot of people here who are, who are self-publishing because digital platforms let them now and they might just want to use very basic apps or indeed still pay someone to, to publish it through this channel. But it just really struck me that I don't see long-term what the value is in Kindle other, you know, as, the pla- as the platform, not the hardware. Well, I, you know what? I think you raise a very good point. So that, what... Um, I, I just wanted a moment of silence where we just let the listeners that to sink it into the listeners that you and McLeod stopped, agreed with me, and then there was a hushed silence. Well, then I, I quickly corrected myself and went, "No, no, don't agree with Ben. Don't agree with him." Uh, but no, I, uh, I think you're right, and, and it's going to be fascinating to watch this industry move. I, I think would it would it be fair to say, from what you've seen here today, that really we're we're seeing the industry, the publishing industry, is looking at new technologies and looking at this stuff. Uh, probably with a lot of horror, as as you know, um, as I, I would be, based on those points you're making. Um, but really, we're not, we're not there yet, right? This is at the minute. It's about get. We can't even get some books on my phone yet. You know, some publishers still aren't there yet. So there's quite a lot of education to do first, right? There is, and I think that as as people as people write new content and it becomes default that you that publishers just expect to release a, a hardback version, a paperback version, maybe an audiobook version, and then an ebook version, perhaps across lots of different platforms. I think it will absolutely become come default. And 
for the, the people at an event like London Book Fair who aren't doing that now are already looking quite behind the curve because there is a colossal digital element to the event even though digital publishing kind of for the for mass consumer digital publishing is only maybe a couple of years old isn't it yeah to- totally and I, I wonder how this industry is going to cope with that I think it's going to have to change because it's going to have to become a lot more like the other content industries that we're aware of uh, and that we use uh, Netflix for example or, or Sky or, or subscription services I mean, for a long time I've been banging on about wanting to be able to subscribe to Terry Pratchett I really enjoy Discworld I like to subscribe to anything frankly anything at all that's got Discworld related to it whether it's a Discworld diary or a Discworld whatever or a Discworld book or a Discworld movie I, 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 I just the answer is yes and here's the money but the, the, the industry hasn't yet coalesce to deliver that the other thing that strikes me is as somebody who comes from a blog publishing background and from a, a software background I don't have any great affection for the, pub, for the publishing industry but it strikes me that looking at what's going on here the other thing that publishers seem to be underprepared for is the, con- is the idea that as soon as you put something in a digital realm you immediately create a two way channel of communication at the moment, they're publishing content and it's going out there and people are buying it and the only metrics really that publishers are looking at are the sales figures, which would be the same metrics that people would use as if you went into Waterstones and bought the hardback version. But the, as the guy from Kobo says, they're beginning to put channels in to allow kind of back-channel communication and things like that. But, what, but think about the equivalent in YouTube terms. I mean, if, you're not, if listeners aren't familiar, if you upload a YouTube video... There is a huge amount of analytics that tells you not just how many people viewed it, how far they got along, when were they interested, when did they leave, uh, are people linking into the video halfway through, attention, views, where do people come from, did they view it mobile or, or desktop, etc, etc, etc. And the point is that any, any online publisher with any de- moderate degree of maturity uses all that information to get feedback about their content and make it better in the future. And I don't see any of the publishers talking about doing that at the moment uh, you know, with, with, with traditional long-form content, although surely that must just be around the corner. I think, I think it must be. And I think, in fact, I think it is coming. But interestingly, when I'm talking to authors, I, I interviewed some authors recently who's, um, who said, look, I do not read any reviews uh, on Amazon. I don't look at anything. I don't want to know because that, that will um, force me to change my story and my, my output, uh, which is actually diametrically opposite to what you're saying. Because I, I think the more that publishers, sorry, the authors and publishers, but more that authors can understand about how people are using their their services, the better. I, I think you're, you're right that authors, in terms of a creative process, might not want to be swayed by metrics because they're... In, in, in some cases, they are creating a piece of art and they put it out there and, you know, through their, uh, they are not overly concerned whether it sells or whether people like it. They're creating a, a whole body. But the point is that publishers will be very interested. Publishers already employ editors and designers and, and all the things we talked about before to try and make the piece as appealing as possible, accepting that authors only, you know, they contrib- contribute the body, but they don't contribute all elements of the product that's being created. I think that could be quite dangerous, though. Can you imagine if you're, um, you're the publisher of a really well-known author 
and um, it came back to you very quickly that every single book this author puts out people only read the first two chapters and then don't bother reading the rest of it and you're putting all this effort into producing you know 50 chapters but actually wouldn't in that case wouldn't that be brilliant though because it's repopular so loads of people are buying it and all of a sudden you discover that people aren't consuming all of it they're buying it purely based on the name so you know that you could invest far less in editing the content or you could get the author just to put out every chapter as an individual book and sell it many times over because people would still consume the amount. I mean, it's a kind of slightly surreal uh, case because I don't. I think if people only read the first chapter of a book, that author wouldn't be a best-selling author, wouldn't be you know very visible because no one can sustain a, a big reputation. But all of those analytics, even if they, even if they weren't valued by the author, they surely would be valued by the people making commercial decisions about who to invest money in. You know who to give a who who to who to pay uh, to to write content. Yeah, and I, I say bring that on. I think those kind of uh, new additions would be really valuable. I think it would add a lot more to the industry, and I think it would stop us panicking. I mean, I'm just quite annoyed. I, I think I'm being really badly served by the publishing industry. And so anything that make that better, bring it on. And I really look forward to the logical conclusion of that, which is. First of all, you give feedback, that, richer feedback than people had before, something more granular than price and sales. But then you move to the point where people change what they produce based on that analysis. It's easy for me to say. Um, and, and so all of a sudden, you get this virtuous circle where uh, new types of content are being produced purely based on the needs or the desires of the customers. So you might have somebody who used to write long-form content who begins to additionally write short-form content because you're understanding that you know you're, the people who love your content just can't get to grips with it in, in long-form style. Or you might find that someone who writes loads of short stories uh, gets the, the understanding that people are reading them in a single sitting and that they have an, there's an appetite to extend what they do. Um, and this also would help people innovate and experiment a bit in this digital medium because you know here we're just talking about tradition traditional kind of pure text but we've all said that it's inconceivable that books published digitally whether apps or through e-publishing will always include you know more content more interaction you know so that and people are going to need to know what's good and what's bad when they start to investigate and, and what you're describing is a really exciting future, Mr. Smith, and not, I, I'm slightly concerned that I'm agreeing with you all the time. It's just basically because I'm right, you know. So, uh, so I, I don't know if you, you can probably hear in the background, uh, the, there's a whole team of guys breaking down stands, I think with hammers, as far as I can tell, given the amount of noise that's being made. But certainly I'm leaving London Book Fair fired up with the idea that publishing is being disrupted but actually a lot of people at the moment are looking at experiments and extrapolating those experiments to be strategies very long-term strategies they, people are looking at kindle and saying this is where digital publishing will go in this direction continuously and, and in a straight line and actually it won't what even the biggest players in the market now regardless how much they sell are only just dipping their toe in the water and finding new ways of publishing and actually this could be quite exciting going forward oh i think it's gonna gonna be really really cool bring it on 
Well, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. So if you've enjoyed this mini-series, if you've got any feedback for us, um, please let us know. We're going to be, we, you know, all this content we've published separately to the normal 361 Degrees uh, podcast feed so that you can dip in and out of it if you're interested. We will be chatting about digital publishing in Season 3 uh, of 361. So let us know how we get on. We've got a few more experiments of this type planned. So all feedback welcome. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you back on the main podcast really soon. And just, we need to point out that Blanford's coming back. That is, Rafe Blanford, uh, he's unavailable because we couldn't agree terms with his agent today uh, and, and the, the, the fee was extortionate. But uh, I think we have negotiated now that it will be two Mars bars next season. So, uh, yeah, Rafe will be rejoining us fresh from the uh, trip to the clinic in Switzerland uh, very, very soon. As ever, thanks for listening and uh, we'll be back soon. <laughs>